0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. And and I'm excited today. We we are starting today. It's a good day to be at church again because we're starting as a community. Um, Passage by passage, we are going to begin to walk through the book of Acts. Um, from my memory, this is not something we 've done, and, and use a Sunday morning uh, format for to walk through sequentially uh, a book of the, a book of the Bible. typically, the way it works for us and, and uh, within the leadership is we pray and discern oftentimes, as you know uh, we 're led either into single messages, obviously rooted in scripture um, or or topical sermon series based on things we believe that the Holy Spirit is. Surfacing within uh, the community that we need to to dive into, Um, but there's a few different reasons why you know in prayer and conversation. As I was talking with the elders and as we were in prayerful dialogue about what the Lord is doing, uh, there seemed to be a yes and amen to as a community starting to walk through the Scripture together. Here's just a couple things, um, just so you know why we're doing this. Um, There's a I believe there's an increasing hunger for communal immersion in the scriptures. I know that a lot of you guys, you're reading your Bibles, you have your, your Bible reading plans, you're making your way through, checking the box off every day, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that. But there's something about a body of believers doing that together with each other um, that's powerful. There's a one accord type of thing that happens and as the church, we're called to discern the heart of God in both prayer and the scriptures. And I just want to remind us, the future of Vine Life Church will not ride on our best ideas and strategies, but will be established in the words, works, and way of Jesus Christ. And this requires all of us to be practitioners of his word. Okay. Um, also, I believe the church is in a time of reformation. I don't think just this, um, this house, this fellowship here. I think... Jeez, um, all over the world, but definitely in North America, there's, there's a shaking happening, right? And, and foundations are being exposed for what they are. Um, and I believe the old foundations are being shaken. And the book of Acts describes what it's like for a community of believers to respond to the breaking into the kingdom of God and to order their lives around his lordship. So that's... It's important in a time of Reformation that we were able to kind of zero in and and see in the Word, in the Scriptures, how did the first believers respond when Jesus flipped their world upside down. And then then lastly, uh, um, you guys might remember earlier this year in April, we we had the privilege of welcoming Dr. James Maloney um, to come and speak at Vine Life. We have a lot of guest speakers that come in. Um, to Vine Life, and we're so thankful for all of them. And, and they all have something unique and different deposits that they bring, and they, you know, they all pray and bring specific words for Vine Life, but his words seem to, to really resonate um, within this body, and, and, and part of the thing that he encouraged us with is he, he really wanted to affirm and and declare that this body was called to be an open heavens church. Amen. An open heavens church, which means that the the barriers that that normally cloud up or, or, or put a curtain between heaven and earth, um, that we are to be the type of people who demonstrate the kingdom of God, demonstrate the reality of, of heaven um, in, in, in the name and the power of Jesus. And so part of this, this time, I believe, part of this time, uh, we believe this is a stewardship of that word, of that encouragement. This is, this is part of our response. We're responding to what the Lord is doing, and it just seems right to us in the Holy Spirit to start to immerse ourselves in Scriptures, remind ourselves of our legacy in, in the body of Christ, and, uh, and begin to realign ourselves with His vision for us, not just our vision for us. Amen? Cool. You guys got your Bibles? All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. I, I, I'd like to imagine what it must have been like to be one of these apostles and disciples. And to have the one person that you, that you, you staked your whole life into just vanish into thin air right in front of your eyes. I mean, what must have that been like? I mean, to be a, a disciple, and you watched him do all these things. You weren't just reading stories about it. You were watching him heal the, lion, the blind and the lame. You were watching him pick up dirt and rub, it, rub mud into to a, a dude's eye, and he gets healed, right? You're watching him multiply bread and fish to feed thousands of people. You're you're spending. You're at the same dinner table with him as he's fellowshipping with the sinners and those that the rest of culture was repulsed by. And you overheard the conversations as he would rebuke the Pharisees and the religious leaders who were arrogant and prideful, right? You were there for all the parables, trying to make sense of what was happening. You're there for the miracles as, as people would walk away, totally restored, totally healed, unexpected things happening. And then... And then in this, in this moment, as this movement is beginning, the one person that taught them everything they knew and introduced them into this whole new way of life, boom, he just says, tag, you're it, I'm out. Right? Have you ever had an experience like that before where somebody that you trusted, somebody that, you, that taught you much, maybe it was a parent, a mentor, a teacher, a boss, a pastor, a spiritual leader, um, somebody that, that discipled you, potentially, poured a lot into you, and then they were taken out of your life somehow. Maybe good, maybe bad, but can you imagine, I mean, do you, do you know what that feels like? Have you ever felt that way before, to feel the feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I think I'm on my own right now. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do what you just told me to do. And everything you taught me, I'm not sure. This is really easy when they were just watching him do it, and they were just had this imagination, we're going to keep doing all this together, and you're going to be our, our fearless leader, and we're just going to be your minions behind you, right? Just following you wherever. And then he goes, and, and, and he communicates to them, hey, just, just hang on. This is about to get really good. And I remember the first time I felt like in over my head, uh, my first ministry trip out of the country was to Guatemala back when I was in high school. And uh, let me show you a couple pictures. Do you guys want to see what I looked like in high school? Okay. Okay, so that's me. I'm the one on the right. So I'm the white guy that's glowing, reflecting back to the sun, right? Um, We've got a couple other ones here. Okay. <laughs> yep. I, <laughs> yeah, so this is me. I, I, don't know. I don't know what to make of these photos. There's one more. Okay, so let's leave that one up for a second, okay? So let me fill in the story for you. My youth pastor organized a trip to Guatemala at the, at, at, back when I was in high school, and and uh, you know, we spent months preparing. Right, we were gathering medical supplies. We were rehearsing skits and dramas and music or human videos. If you've ever heard of those, I mean, like these really strange, like I don't know, sing, you know, dancing to soundtracks and stuff. I don't. For some reason, we imagined that people would really enjoy this in Guatemala. <laughs> and and uh, and just all this preparation. We were preparing testimonies. We were preparing messages. I mean, just this this whole thing. And. We just whatever our youth pastor told us at the time, Scott, his name was Scott. He he just told us what to do, and it was easy because we just did what he told us to do. And we're thinking, all right, you know, this is going to be good. But then I remember when we got down there, um, one of the first church services we went to, just before the church service, I mean, like an hour before, or so he leans over to me and says, "All right, Luke, uh, you are going to preach." Uh, You're going to share your testimony, and you're going to do this thing, all right? I'm not going to go up there with you. This is your shot. And, like, in one moment, like, internally, everything came crashing down on me Um, because everything that he had described at that point in time, like, this whole journey, this whole several months of preparation, like, you know, I knew why we were doing it, and I knew that we were going to have a shot, but there came a moment where, like, This dude was handed a microphone on a stage and asked to share something. And like, I don't know, but you look at that picture, wisdom would tell me, don't hand a microphone to that guy and ask him to run a service, right? Like, this might not go very well, but that's indeed what happened. And it was a beautiful moment, I'll tell you. It was just like one of those things just wild, messy, just a total blabber of trying to explain who Jesus was in my life. And somehow, somehow the heart, though, somehow the spirit of it went out. And I knew that it was beginning to minister to hearts. The Holy Spirit was at work. Even even with a guy that looks like this, right? Just a total goober. That's the only word that you can associate with this picture is goober. And but, but guys, this is the story of the book of Acts. It's a story of like these really wildly ordinary men and women, these goobers, that Jesus in a single moment says, I've, 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 I've shown you a few things. I've called you to myself. I'm going to give you the promise of the Spirit. But now it's, it's your chance to do this. It was a tag your it moment. These ordinary people who really weren't very qualified when you started looking back at their credentials, that their lives were flipped upside down by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, all right, I, I want you to go and do the same and I'm going to be with you. This is what we get to get in. This is this is why I love the Book of Acts because I find myself in it, right? I find me in all of these places of like gosh, yeah, maybe I've learned a few things by now, but but there's so much further to go and I don't know if you feel like me just in over your head sometimes, just like what are we doing? Like what am I doing? Like I don't have I don't have everything it takes to do what Jesus says, but apparently Jesus thinks I do. Then Jesus thinks you do. And Jesus, even in the places and the gaps and all of the, the, the discrepancies and the places where you lack and the places where maybe you're off the mark, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm giving you something better than that. And it's the promise of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. It's coming to you. And if you've ever had a question, if you're qualified, um, the answer is no. But I'm going to send one who is going to qualify you. His name is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send you out. i are going to start in Jerusalem. We're going to go to the entire world. It's a beautiful story. So the book of Acts, just a little bit of a, an overview here. Written by Luke. That's the real reason I picked this book. Not really. And, and what we know about Luke is he was probably a convert uh, of Paul. He probably became a believer uh, in Jesus somewhere in Paul's missionary journey. He's a doctor, and so he is orderly. He talks about that. I brought you an orderly account of everything Jesus began to do and to teach. And so he, he would spend time with Paul and then write down everything that the apostles would describe to him, How the, whole, the way that everything actually went down. And so, so you need to know about Acts. Is Acts is actually part two of the Gospel of Luke. So, G, so Luke wrote, wrote, wrote two, um, uh, two accounts. One is the Gospel of Luke of of everything Jesus began to do and teach, and then, and then Acts is a continuation of that. And, and uh, um, in, in antiquity, it was, it was called Acts of the Apostles. That's how many of us know it. This book is called The Acts of the Apostles because we know that it's about many of the disciples and apostles fleshing out this new kingdom reality. But the funny thing is that Acts, the only consistent character through the entire book of Acts is Jesus. Everything else, everybody else, is interchangeable. Jesus is the only one who comes in and is introduced at the beginning and is in every chapter all the way to the end. And you know, you're going to hear about Paul and Peter and Cornelius and all of these guys as they're just their world is just swirling around. But guess what? This is you know, probably more appropriately called the Acts. It's probably more appropriately called The Acts and Teachings of King Jesus Part 2. It's a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. It's, if, if the Gospel of Luke was everything that Jesus began to do and teach, then Acts is everything that Jesus continued to do and teach. Okay? It's a story that Jesus is still alive and that we are not alone. And if we ever question if we're alone, then he's given us the deposit of the Holy Spirit to remind us of what's true. And it's written, this book is written to somebody named Theophilus. <clears throat> and there's not really anything else we know about Theophilus. And, and, and uh, even scholars, theologians have over the years uh, wondered if Theophilus isn't more of a broad term for all believers. The- Theophilus actually means beloved of God or lover of God Theo, Philo. It means a lover of God. And, and what if Luke was writing this account, the Gospel of Luke and, and Acts, not just to a person, but to all of those who would love God for all of time? That's you. You are Theophilus. You are a lover of God, even if it was a person. Just receive that word. That's a good word right there. I'm writing to you, O oh lover of God, to describe to you Everything. That Jesus began to do and teach. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's beautiful. And so it's clear as, as we begin to make our way through these writings of Luke and in Acts that really the central focal point, that the theme that we get into very quickly is it's all about the kingdom of God. Uh, The Gospel of Luke is about the kingdom of God, Jesus describing the kingdom of God, and Acts is about the outplaying of the kingdom of God. N.T. Wright, uh, one of my favorite theologians, he says it like this, Jesus said again and again in the Sermon on the Mount and in his parables that this is what the kingdom of God is like, and it's quite different from what you've imagined. Likewise, in Acts, Luke intends to say, now, this is what it looks like when God takes charge. Jesus gives instructions to his chosen apostles. He equips them by his spirit. This is what it looks like when Jesus himself is now Lord of the world. Isn't that awesome? So if you're asking the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? What does it mean for God to become king? What does it mean for God to take charge? Then welcome to the book of Acts. This is where we get to have some fun. This is where we get to see what it's like for a new establishment, for Jesus to continue everything he began, right? And so we make our way through this passage, and it doesn't take long for the disciples to ask some follow-up questions to Jesus, which is always a good thing to do when, when something, uh, something fishy is about to happen. And we see in, in verse, uh, verse 6, they said this, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay? And they ask this question because this is everything they knew. All, of the, all the, This is a very familiar thing for the disciples, the first century Jews here. Um, several scriptures that describe that when the Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, that there's going to be a restoration of the kingdom of Israel. But I love in perfect Jesus fashion, he doesn't answer their question. He just tells them something else, which is pretty, pretty like, you know, pretty par for the course when it comes to Jesus. All right? And he says this to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but, everybody say but, but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. But you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. And I love this, because it's not that he didn't have an answer for that question. He just said, listen, listen, Um, you're asking that question, but what's happening right now is not about chronologies and timetables and calendars. That's up to the Father. He's going to figure that out. But what's happening right now is this. I'm going to give you power so that you can become my witnesses. You cannot be a witness if you don't have power. So I'm going to give you my power so that you will become my witnesses. You have these questions about when this, where that, how this, what the heck, what's going on, and Jesus sidesteps him and says, those are great questions, but guess, but guess what? I'm going to give you power, and you're going to be a witness. Everything that I've said, everything I've done, you're going to spread this gospel to the ends of the earth. I think this is a good, this is a good word, even in this little, this little uh, transaction, this little exchange right here. For those of us who are here this morning, and there's a lot of when questions or where or is, is this now or when will be the time or, you know, in our lives, with our jobs, in our relationships, we have a lot of questions for God and they're all good questions and, and they're questions that oftentimes uh, the Lord will answer. But sometimes I think what he wants to remind us of, and maybe even today, once he, what he wants to remind us of is despite these looming questions of God, what are you up to? What's going on? What, what, how is it that we can participate? What does this mean? for me, despite all these questions, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God maybe wants to remind us today, said, listen, even in the middle of those questions, though I do want to show you deeper things as it relates to those questions, here's what you need to know today. I want to give you new power so that whether the questions get answered or not, I want to give you power so that you can become a witness to who I have been in your life, and it won't stay with you. Your testimony is not going to stay with you. It's going to leave your mouth. It's going to leave your life. It's going to have a diameter to it. You're going to have this, this radius everywhere you go because as a witness, if 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 you can remember everything I've showed you, everything I've taught you, every ounce of good news that I've opened up in your life, that is going to be the power that flips the world upside down. See, that's good. that's good news for me today because I got a lot of questions. I got some questions. I know you do too. And some days those questions can get a little debilitating. God, when, what, how, what, why, where, me, you know, this, all this stuff. It's like, it's just, it gets a little overwhelming sometimes, but I will give you power, but I will give you power. I want to give you power to be my witnesses. That's good stuff right there. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. And then we get to this really interesting passage. Right at the end, this is just a beautiful setup for the book of Acts. It says they were, he was saying these things, and when he had said these things, they, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went... Behold, two men stood by him in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And, you know, I I think uh, what's important to to understand about this passage is this little part is actually showing us something about what what heaven and earth look like when they converge. And sometimes our thinking, because of, the, because of modern philosophies and even the last few hundred years of understanding, um, there's become a dualism between earth and heaven. So we refer to heaven as somewhere up there and earth is everything down here, right? So heaven is like another place. And even in this passage, I think, I think most of the time I read this passage just imagining Jesus going up into the sky like he had a jetpack on or something. Just kind of flipped it on, just kind of the slow ascent, right? These guys, like, watching Jesus, almost as if you had let out a a helium balloon into the air, and they're just standing there, just, like, watching him just go. And it's like, oh, still see him, you know. Um, Oh, no, I lost him oh no, there he is. He's over there. Okay. So like seven minutes later, he's like, see you guys. You know, this whole thing of like, he's going somewhere, you know, like heaven is just, is a place, you know, three miles off the surface of the largest moon of Jupiter, right? I mean, it's like this, he's just going to go up there and sit there. He's just going to sit there for a couple thousand years, and then he's going to come right back down. So I've always had this, this kind of this reading and imagination of this passage of, like, we're actually talking about Jesus going to a different place altogether, right? And I'm not saying that that's uh, totally wrong. I think there's something that we, we fail to understand is that heaven is not just another location. It's a totally different dimension, it's a different dimension. And so uh, even even this passage, it's, it's debated that it wasn't even as much that he lifted up as it says, you know, when he disappeared from them, it was kind of traced <laughs> to this different dimension. That sounds crazy, but it makes sense when you read other places where it says when he reappears, when he comes back in. And it's almost like Jesus came into this, uh, to show us that this new resurrected body was going to be a part of this new type of dimension. And so that sounds wild and crazy. What does that even mean for right now? Here's what I believe this means. It's really important that we understand that heaven and earth were never meant to be divided in place. They are always two halves of God's good creation. Always. And I believe... That Jesus doesn't actually plan to abandon the earth, but the scripture says he wants to renew and make new and restore the heavens and the earth. In the Garden of Eden, it wasn't meant for heaven and earth to be separated. It was meant for them to converge and be together in one reality for us to know the kingdom of heaven. No, I'm not saying heaven's not this, in, a place that we go to when we die. I'm not saying that. I just believe, though, that the ultimate reality that God wants to show us is that heaven is a place that we try to snatch and bring into every now and then, but it belongs here. It belongs here. And so sometimes we use the language, um, when we talk about heaven, we we ask, God, you know, we ask heaven to invade earth, or we ask, you know, we ask God to, to come and show up and and we're fumbling around language to describe what we're feeling and we're experiencing. But I don't, I don't believe that heaven has to invade earth because it actually belongs on earth. It belongs here. You don't have to invade a place where you belong, right? I don't go home and invade my home. This is my home. God always meant for heaven to be a reality that we would be aware of and enter into. So when we pray for the sick, and as we get into the acts, and we see what we call the breaking in of heaven, it's not that heaven comes in for a second and retreats back to Jupiter, okay? It's... That we are becoming awake to everything Christ came to show us. That there is a there is a reality here that's more real than the earth and the skin and the the trees and the things that we see. It's more real than everything that we can put our hands on. Do you guys realize that? That is the reality that Jesus is bringing us into a reality of what He's doing, and He wants to unfold a new reality of what happens when the kingdom of God takes root and is established. And along the way, we're just waking up to not some other place. It's Coming here, but to what's already been here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here and it's not yet. The kingdom is here and it's unfolding. So we see in part, we see, we see this stuff dimly often, but, but this is what God is doing all around the earth. He's waking us up to realize that heaven is a lot closer than we thought it was. It's a lot closer than we thought it was. In fact, it's here. Are you guys hearing me on that? And so it's, it's a beautiful thing when we see that the angels correct these men and at the end of this passage, and this is a good place for us to land today. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? It's funny because this, this, this picture almost resembles what happened at the, the, the site of the resurrection, right? When the angel said to Mary, you know, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're looking for him here, and he's somewhere else. You're looking for him here, and he's somewhere else. I mean, gosh, what better describes what we often do? You know, when they say, why are you looking over here? He's going to come back. But until then, you need to know Jesus is alive. He's alive, right? And you're going to find out just how alive he is in a few days. You're going to find out just how alive and how active he is in just a short time, but don't stay staring at where he once was. Continue to move with him into where he's going. This is this is what Jesus always did. See, we always camp out at the last move of God. We always camp out at where God encountered us last, and I believe it's a word for us today. If you've ever experienced Jesus and you're disappointed in Him because He keeps moving, He's so disappointing because He doesn't tell me where He's going next, right? And I just think that, I mean, it just makes so much sense that these angels would remind, me, like, hey, you're staring into heaven. Just be encouraged here. Just be encouraged. We're going to give you a new way to see. And I believe that an invitation for us even here today, as we're looking at the way that Jesus is unfolding, is like, I, I believe a lot of this, and even over the next several weeks and months as we, as we chart this out, So much of this is about the Spirit of God giving us a new ability to see Jesus at work in all of life. And I I really believe that probably one of the key roots of disappointment and discouragement in our life is that we expected him to do one thing and he shows up in another He's not playing tricks on us. You need to know that. If that's where you're at, he's not teasing you. But you do need to know that he is not static. He is not a monument that stays in its place. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's, he's alive. I mean, in bodily form. He has a body. Like, he didn't turn into just spirit. He's alive in bodily form. And and there's a retraining, a constant retraining. This is a lifelong thing of us learning by the Holy Spirit of God to perceive what he's up to and then to align ourselves with what he's doing, where he's going. And that involves us to not stay put where we are, but to continue the journey with him. See, Jesus is the only person who can start a grand movement by leaving. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm going to flip the world upside down, but first I'm going to leave, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the only one crafty enough to do something like that. Do something that looks so foolish, it's actually wise. And he was actually really excited about going. He said, listen, I got somebody I'm sending to you. He's just out of this world. His name is the Holy Spirit promise of the Father. He's going to teach you everything you need to know. He's going to pick up where I left off, and we're going to go from there. So So let's, let's stand together. And what I want to do is I want to pray for us this morning. Just like these apostles in this first passage are left kind of in this place of what the heck just happened? What's actually happening right now? There's this place of gosh, journeying with Jesus is so mysterious. But we, but we, but we read, we come to find out. But it's the only safe place to be, though. Really, gosh, it's the only safe place to be. It's the the ground, kind of, you know, you know. Every other ground we find is, is, is not, it's faulty, right? It shakes underneath our feet. Jesus, a life following Jesus, the only safe place to be. But it requires us to not just stare in the sky, but to begin to, by the Holy Spirit of God, begin to retrain our seeing to see him at work in our lives, in the lives of, of the places where we live, in the lives of the, place, uh, of the people that we live with all around the world. And as Bob was praying, with all this this swirl happening around the world, as the people of God, it's, it's a constant thing where we can't just leave, you know, we can't expect Jesus to be where we left him last. That's just not, you're just going to be so disappointed. I mean, that's like your, your whole life is going to be a disappointment. But just, just the amount of risk, the amount of adventure, the amount of joy, the amount of mystery involved in following Jesus is outrageous. So can we just pray for our seeing and our perceiving of Jesus today? That's what he's doing, that for us as a church. And I pray for me as well. Jesus, as as we gather today in this place, and some of us, man, this, you know, maybe we don't feel very far along on a journey with you. Others of us have been doing this for a long time. But Jesus, I thank you today that there is never a place we stop in following you. And I thank you that today we get to celebrate everything that you're continuing to do and teach the power that you're continuing to deposit, the power that you're continuing to unfold. And I pray even right now, Lord Jesus, that you awaken something inside of us to see you at work in our lives in unexpected ways. We, we, we know that we're gonna approach this word, this Greek word called dunamis, which means power, which is where we get dynamite from. We thank you, Lord God, that we, Jesus, we get to be recipients of this dynamite power that not only affects us, but affects the whole region. We thank you for open heaven realities, Lord Jesus, but we pray that you do start with us. God, start with us individually. Help me in my seeing. And God, I confess, sometimes I just see according to the flesh. Sometimes I just look at people and regard them only according to the flesh. I regard circumstances according to what they appear to seem. But Jesus, I thank you that you are at work in, in all things. God, that everything was created by you and through you and for you, Jesus, and that you are the crafty, wise Son of God, that left us so you could send the Holy Spirit to remind us of who you are. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that all of this is about the explosion of the kingship of Jesus inside of our lives. We thank you, God, for an explosion of the kingship and lordship of Jesus in our lives. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord God, that this season would be a season of new dreams and new visions, God, that you would wake us up in the night, that you would give boldness, God, and words of faith as we pray for those around us, God. I thank you for signs and wonders and miracles, uh, not as a testament to themselves, but as a testament to the fact that you are still alive and that the grave is empty. I thank you, God, for resurrection life to unfold in this body, in us, Jesus, for the good of the world, And it's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Woo! Woo! I could do part two right now if you want me to. No, it's all good. Hey, let's keep standing here. I'm going to, we're going to end the service here. I'm going to invite Bob to come.